Hi, this is Bernie Torrance. And I'm Carol Yoder, and we'd like to invite you to our program called Living Stones. It's time to move from being a stepping stone to a living stone. God loves you and has a plan for your life. Remember, God doesn't waste anything. You're created to be a believer, walking in wisdom and values. Carol, we are in for a treat today because last week we talked about the concept of planning and why it's so important. And and we talk about these gifts of revelation. One is planning and the other is common sense. And, and common sense is not as common <laughs> as we think it is. But the actual statement that you find in the book, what does it say from the Bible about the pillar of common sense? This is what it says. The man, or I'm going to say woman because of our guest today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the man or woman who knows right from wrong and has good judgment and common sense is happier than the man or woman who is immensely rich. For such wisdom is far more valuable than precious jewels. Nothing compares to it. So we're talking about judgment and common sense and a person that has really spoken uh that in living fashion to my life has been Don Yoder. This is Jerry's daughter. Uh, most people in the world know her from the president of Global Priority Solutions. But mm. when it comes to boundaries, who do you think of, Carol? Yes, that's <laughs> right. It's our friend Don. <laughs> and Don, why are boundaries so important to building a culture? Well, first of all, thanks for letting me join you guys. This is awesome. I'm so excited. I've been listening to your other podcast, so... I'm like, wow, I get to be in pretty awesome company. So thank you for that. But boundaries, I think, are really important um, because boundaries help you feel safe. That's one of the things that are, is most important to me about boundaries is that feeling of being safe. If I know where I'm free to operate, I have freedom. There's freedom in a boundary. If I'm not given a boundary, the type of person I am, because I'm more of a rule-following kind of person. Uh -huh. So for me, if I'm not given a boundary... I don't know where is okay to move to and where is it. And sometimes I might actually shut down if I don't have a boundary. Um, and, but then conversely, people who are more what sometimes we heard that term boundary breaker, uh -huh. you know, the, the people that, that feel a lot of freedom, <laughs> if they don't have boundaries, um, they end up damaging. They end up causing a lot of chaos. And so boundaries are really important so that we understand where our freedoms sit. Uh, in business, boundaries has been invaluable it really helps people when they come on board to a team to understand where they can freely operate and then to really let them do what they do there. You know, give them whatever authority they're given. If they understand what their authority is, what their decision-making power is, you know, what they're allowed to pursue on their own versus what they need to ask permission for, um, you just see this relief on them of freedom that they have their way. You know, sometimes, Bernie, I've talked about how boundaries are like, driving on the road yes. and you know we live we live out in the middle of nowhere and so some of our roads don't have lines and those roads are kind of scary to me because they get really narrow and i know like teaching a new driver like my daughter london just got her driver's license last week and teaching her to drive on roads with no lines is really difficult oh because she feels so insecure about where am i supposed to be on this road the whole time she's thinking about where she's supposed to be instead of focusing on doing the driving and so what happens when we don't have those lines, 
people end up driving down the middle of the road. That's just what happens by nature. We kind of kind of pull ourselves to the middle. And when we're driving down the middle of the road, now we're making life really difficult and dangerous sure. for those coming the other direction. And so the importance of those lines is to stay on our own side of the road so that traffic can move with ease so that we both have our space to get where we need to go without being limited to having to watch out for everything all the time. It gives us freedom and it makes things work easier. And it's, you know, you have less accidents when things are clearly marked. That's why so many of our roads are marked. It's to limit the loss that comes from an accident. And so by having our roads clearly marked, we can see where am I supposed to be? And we feel free to move there. And, you know, there's, there's this little stretch of road out here that has those little speed bumps on the side. Sure. You know what I'm talking about? Rumble okay, strips, so yeah. 30, <laughs> yes. So, and there's this one stretch on 39 where the speed bumps are like right on the line, like where the edge of the road is. And it's like you can't even drive in your road properly without hitting these. And you hear that brump, brump, <laughs> brump. You know, you just hear it as you're going through. And that's a road where the speed bump or where the, the boundary has been set a little too narrow. And so if we set the boundary too narrow to people, oh, we annoy good. them. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, that is such an annoyance. It doesn't do anything other than it just annoys me driving that road every time. And it, and it makes the person who's driving with you think you must be doing something wrong, you know, because you keep brump, brump, and they're like, what are you doing wrong? Why do you keep hitting the boundary? And so if the boundary is too narrow, it's not a good thing either. So the goal is really to set the boundaries clear enough that people can see them and they understand what they should be respecting narrow enough that they know where they're supposed to be, but wide enough that there's some freedom and a little bit of forgiveness. Cause you know, if people come outside of our boundaries a little bit. We need to have some forgiveness for that. So Carol, I'm going to, I'm going to out you a little bit here, but I remember you telling me a story about when you first got your driver's license and how you were driving home and maybe your road did not have a lot of forgiveness on the edge and it, caused some complications for you. I, you probably know what I'm talking about there. I do. And I'm not sure if it was the road or me that didn't have good boundaries, but I overcompensated on the boundary and ended up putting my mom in the hospital. So that was not a fun day. So boundaries are good. And following the boundaries are, is even better. Yeah. Well, and, but just saying, sometimes if that road, you know, it had a harsh edge. So when mm -hmm. your tire went off the side of the road, it had a harsh edge. And so when you pulled back, it caused all these problems. And so what I'm saying is we need to be careful not to have harsh edges around us. Oh, that's good. You know, th th when we, when we've got the, a drop off, like you're, you're in my boundary or now you've dropped off over the cliff into the precipice. I remember when I was a kid driving on the roads, um, like up in the redwoods and going around these mountains and these cliff sides. And when you'd go around the corner, you would hear the rocks go over oh, the edge. That's how tight the road was. And I remember being scared senseless, you know, as we're going up those roads. That wasn't a good road. Those weren't good boundaries because the answer was, well, if you're not within the road, if you're off the road, you're over the cliff. And I just don't want set, to set people up to go over the cliff. Mm. I want to leave a little bit of space in the boundary, kind of um, calculating for human nature and mm. where problems could lie so that we have a way to catch something before it goes over the edge. Now, so what me, I'm saying is when we're setting our boundaries, be, be a little wider than you think you need to be sometimes. That's great. Let me jump in here real quick because I want to bring about a story that, that is really much of the, uh, the history and legacy of what we do, and that's the Digital Dish Corporation that your dad started. And then as uh, he was being called to the nations, you came in then as the CEO 
and really had to establish a lot of boundaries, a lot of common sense in a corporation that, that historically did not function that way. And uh, what I watched happen that is so amazing is that there was a high turnover of technicians in the organization. I think about an 80%, we call it churn, meaning that in a year's time, if you had 100 technicians, that you would you would replace 80 of them in a year at a cost of about five or $6,000 a, a technician. You stepped into that, and the very next year, Don, by, by creating boundaries and culture and a nurturing environment, reverse that almost like the Pareto principle you reversed it to a 20% churn which all went to the bottom line how how did you get some of the boundaryless people <laughs> to understand the power of boundaries and culture well Bernie part of what we did was we just focused in on some of these values these roundtable values that we talk about and we did we took them through those thoughts of saving and common sense and boundaries and using good judgment and those type of things to help people understand that we are either living in consequence or benefit. I think that's a big part of all of this when I'm looking at this vow. It's understanding that I want to make my decisions based on living in benefit and not based on living in consequence. If I'm making good decisions, I'm living in benefit. So that means if it's boundaries, then I'm thinking about these things when I'm going into it. I'm looking at what happens if. If I cross over the line, what's going to happen? If I do less than what I could have done, what could happen? And bringing that awareness up and letting people see for themselves, you know, to have that ability to be in a process where there's self-discovery and they have self-revelation. You know, I'm not telling them what to do. I'm opening it up so that they can see it. And when it affected their home life positively, mm-hmm. it was so much easier for it to come to play at work. And I think, you know, that was part of of doing that is saying, okay, let's put you into a growth process. And not everybody liked that growth process. I mean, some people bowed out of it and they ended up working at different places. But for others, it was very life changing. And so I think that was part of it is that creating that culture of growth where we're trying to help people, really trying to put into them the ability to make a better decision for their life, not just for our company, but for their life. You know, they were putting in eight, 10, 12 sometimes more hours a day out on the road away from their families. And I felt it was the least that we could do was to invest something back into them to make their life better. They were giving so much, and yes, they were making a paycheck and all that, but so much of their time was dedicated to what we were doing. We need to dedicate a little bit of our time into what they're doing. And so I feel like that was, that was step one is, is in that culture. But another part of that was just making the boundaries really clear to people. I mean, I remember when I first when I first took over, you know, we grew from a little family business into a business where we had more than 500 employees and and like 13 locations. And so when you start little, you can give more leeway. Right. And I'll let's look at a road without much traffic. Okay, so if we have a road without much traffic and you don't have lines on it and there's not much going this way or that way. It's not so big of a deal to not have a bunch of lines on the road because hardly anybody uses that road. But once you start to get more traffic on the road, those lines become more and more important, those boundaries. And so as we were growing, what I saw was a real need to put some clarification in and um, to establish some benefit and consequence. I remember we we switched. My dad put me in charge of the call center. That was one of my first steps towards taking over as CEO. And when I took over the call center, uh, we also got a new computer system, and it was really – frustrating some people and there were people who were used to operating in a world where if you quit you could always come back 
because my parents are super forgiving people <laughs> and they always want to give people a second chance. You uh-huh. know, truthfully, I mean, I'm just, I'm laying it out and it was a small, it had operated a small family business and it was a culture of family, which I love that culture and I wanted to keep a culture of family, but enabling people to do things that is not healthy for them is more in their life because there are other places you could work where that would not be okay. Yes. So to set them up to not grow, I did not think was wise. So for me, it was, hey, if you if you quit without notice, if you go to Burger King at lunch and you don't come back, um, <laughs> I wish you well, but you're not coming back. <laughs> and that was tough for people. And I ended up with a no office. Like I, people did that, and I would not let them come back. I, I'm not, I don't care if I could work 24-7. The boundary will be held. But people quit doing that wow. to that degree. And so I saw the payout of the boundary and even some came back to me later on and thanked me for that because it helped them grow up a little bit. But, you know, that's tough. Those are tough boundaries to keep with people because I don't want to hurt people either. And I don't want to hurt the company, you know, for sure. But it's like sometimes we've got to set those boundaries and we've got to keep them because it's in someone's best interest. You know, giving I can be merciful in the sense of forgiving people. But that does not mean that I'm going to allow the behavior to continue. I can't enable behavior. And so those were some of the things that, and then when other people saw that, it made them want to stick around because they felt protected. You know, once the boundaries were set and they saw that we kept the boundaries, other people felt protected and they were more likely to stay. It seems so crazy that, that it could work that way, that by not allowing someone to come back, people who were there felt protected and wanted to stay. But that's exactly how boundaries work. It's just a crazy thing, but it works. And it shows that, uh, you, you know, you're really developing that corporate culture. In, in the vow, it talks about resisting the enemy of confusion because miscommunication mm-hmm. and confusion, Carol, that's such a huge thing, huh? Yeah, one of the things that it says here in the book, it says common sense teaches a team how to respond, how to act and react as yes. one. And I think that that is true. Like by having those boundaries, just like Don was talking about, that you do teach people you 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 can get rid of confusion because if this happens then then this is the mm-hmm. consequence yeah. or the benefit and you can count on that um one of the things dawn i've heard you say so many times is knowledge is not power but applied knowledge mm-hmm. and that's what i think of when i think of common sense that we have the knowledge but in applying that knowledge to a situation um, that that is what common sense is. It's like, oh, I know what the, what the result of that is going to be either by watching someone else's life or by, of course, reading the word or whatever. Can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah, you know, when you're talking about that, Carol, um, I'm really thinking about those things that help me to have common sense and the things that um, <laughs> impede me from using common sense. And so and it goes both ways because I think most people, if someone would ask us, oh, do you have common sense? We probably most of the time would say yes. And But at the same time, I can definitely identify times in my life when I have used common sense. And then I try to look at, well, why didn't I use common sense? And part of it is just taking the time, you know, to be critical and analytical, not criticizing, but critical thinking and to weigh pros and cons and to use your creativity to look at what is common sense and what's held me back from common sense. Um, usually has been my my impatience, my emotions, my selfishness, or just not being aware of what's going on. That is usually the things that have impeded me from using common sense. And so when I get to decision-making time, 
for me, I really have to sit back and think, okay, Bernie, we've talked about this several times. What, how big of a fire is this? Like, does my decision need to be made right now? Yes, yes. Or can we wait on this decision? That's so good. And it, it talks here about when you have that common sense taking control, it gives a new resource that involves motives and methods. You have a, an uncanny gift of discernment. And that has served you well. How, how does that discernment deal with motives and methods? And uh, how early does the early warning device go off in you? <laughs> <laughs> well, for me now, it goes off early because I do think, I, I think we all have the ability to discern. So let me put that out there first. Even if you're someone that you're like, well, discernment's not my strong suit. Mm-hmm. A lot of discernment is awareness. And we can really grow in awareness. Um, even if it doesn't come natural to you, you can grow in awareness. It's just paying attention. It's asking questions. It's getting outside of yourself and find out, well, what are other people thinking about this right now? And I'm not saying allowing that to sway all of your opinions or to make all your choices based on others. I mean, probably the biggest thing to weigh it out against is the word. You know, what does God have to say about this? Uh-huh. That's probably the biggest place. But we all have some discernment. Um and for someone who is kind of gifted in the service, it means it comes more naturally to me, right? I, I'm looking at something and, and I can, I'm seeing the breadcrumb trail. And mm-hmm. to me, if there's a trail of breadcrumbs, it goes somewhere, you know? <laughs> so I'm just following the crumbs. Some people see the crumbs and they just see random crumbs thrown out. I look at the crumbs, I'm thinking, that could be a trail. Okay, so I'm looking at the trail all the time to see where is that going. And sometimes it goes nowhere. Sometimes it was just breadcrumbs, but sometimes it's leading somewhere. Um, You know, like my mom used to always say, you know, if it acts like a duck and walks like a duck and quacks (laughs) like a duck, it's probably a duck. So if there's this trail of breadcrumbs there, you know, you got to, I want to follow that to see where it goes. But the backside of that for me is um, sometimes if you're someone who has a lot of discernment, you become suspicious. Oh and I remember I read something once, and I don't remember where I, re- where I read it, but I wrote this down out of my summation of what I read. And what I wrote down is, suspicion is the gift of discernment operating out of the spirit of fear. Oh, that's it so It takes good. the gift so and turns good. it into a curse. Mm-hmm. So we got that gift of discernment, and now it becomes a curse on us because it results in our going into a spiritual prison where all guards work for the dark side. The spirits who guard the walls of this prison have names like sickness, depression, hatred, and murder. Mm. And that's what can happen when you're a highly discerning person is you start noticing the bad, 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 instead of seeing where God is working for good, where his kindness abounds, where everything is mixed together with love. You, you start missing that because you're noticing the red flags as they fly up. So I just want to encourage people out there who have a lot of discernment. Um, to not push your, allow yourself to travel into the lane of suspicion. Discernment is wonderful when it's used with the lens of God's love. You know, judgment is a wonderful gift used with always the lens of love on first. Um, Common sense is beautiful when we have the lens of love. All of these things require lining our thoughts and our actions and our words Uh, even our decisions up to what does God's word say about this and remembering that with father, there's always patience mixed in and kindness mixed in and love mixed in and that he sees people. Yes, he knows where we're at, but he also knows our potential. He knows our deep desires and dreams that he planted in us. 
And so for me, I'm always asking God, please help me to see that and not just the red flags. Or help me to understand that when I see this red flag, there's something that sits on the back of it. You know, with every gift, there comes that pain in the gift, right? For our, We say always our greatest strength is our greatest weakness. Yeah. And so sometimes I see everyone's greatest weakness first. And I have to ask the Holy Spirit to help me see, okay, what's on the other side of this greatest weakness? Because on the other side of this greatest weakness is their greatest potential. So, Lord, help me to see that. And so discernment, if you have that gift of discernment, um, I just encourage everyone, because I encourage myself to be really careful how I wield that gift and to always be asking God to help me see the strength that's on the other side of the weakness, the good that's on the other side of the red flag. You know, that's what I really need to see. So, and, and if you don't think you have a lot of discernment, hey, you can grow in it. It's awareness. And sometimes that really comes through just understanding how God thinks, and that's through understanding the values. So that's what I think about that. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was just thinking about how it says common sense uh, we want to exercise common sense, resist confusion. And you're talking about right and wrong. You're talking about following the breadcrumbs and using discernment. We're living in an age of confusion. And yes, we know we go to the word, but even when we go to the word, like people look at it through different lenses. How how would you say, Dawn, that we exercise those gifts, that common sense mixed with discernment to bring us out of confusion because it does seem like we live in an age where it's like the all the voices that we have how do you how do you still that down and distill that into the wisdom that comes from God Mm -hmm. and I mean that's it Carol you've just boiled down the question of the ages right (laughs) how do we how do we take the chaos that we create and bring in the peace oh that the Father creates. Yes. And and so how do what we're really saying is how do we be peace in the middle of chaos? Mm. And so I think to me step one is being grounded in the peace that passes all understanding. That's our first step is to be grounded in God's peace, to understand that we're not perfect and no one around us is perfect, but to remember um, that if we can uncover the whys around us, why people are saying what they're saying, doing what they're doing, protesting what they're protesting, whatever those things are, a lot of times we are going to find a lot of similarities that join us in motive, but maybe we just acted out differently. And I think identifying the similarities and things, it's like, as a Christian, do I want equality? Well, yeah, as a Christian, do I want respect? Well, yeah, as a Christian, do you, you know, what are these things that I, do I want to see prosperity in our nation? Well, yes, but some of us have different ideas of what prosperity looks like. Mm-hmm. But, but the, to see the motive of the why, it helps me to love people more. It's easier mm-hmm. to love people when I see that a lot of our motives line up, even if some of our thinking doesn't. You know, and so that for me is really important. It's so interesting. I was thinking this uh, morning about just our call today and, you know, I was thinking about how we live in an age where we want to call each other out, but that God, mm-hmm. he not he doesn't just call us out. He calls us out of darkness mm-hmm. into his marvelous light, and then he calls us up. He calls us up mm-hmm. to our destiny, and I think that's really what you're talking about. That's beautiful. Don, would you mind praying for all of us that, uh, you know, that we talked about the spiritual gifts and discernment is one of those i I think it is developed 
um, and it's exercised and it's it's fortified but uh, I just believe if someone has something that is excellent they can pray that excellence over others so would you mind closing us in mm -hmm. prayer um, Lord God thank you so much Lord thank you for the people that you have put on the earth for such a time as this thank you Lord that you are at work and that you are moving God that you are bringing about your kingdom right now, today. God, I just pray that you would help each of us, God, help each of us to have a greater level of discernment and the understanding of what you're seeing, what you are doing, and the purposes that you have put in people's hearts, God. Help us to discern who you created them to be. Mm. Help us discern who you created us to be, God. Help us to see what you have put in each for such a time as this, Lord. God, I just pray that our judgment skills would be sharpened, Lord, that we would weigh things out with your word, God, and always go back to um, the scripture in Matthew, Jesus, where you said, you know, the greatest commandment, you said, love the God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second, you just threw the second in by yourself. The second is of equal importance to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, God, I just pray that you would help all of us to keep those two things in our sights at all times, that whatever we do would honor you and love you, and equally important, God, that our actions and our words and even our thoughts would be loving towards other people, God. Lord, I just pray that you would empower us all, God, to see what you see, to think how you think, to use God's words, and most importantly, to see and to operate in your love, Lord. If we could just do that, if we could just operate out of your love, God, so many of these things would be taken care of. So God, I just pray that you would empower us to do that, God. Help us to see that boundaries are good for us. Patience is truly a virtue and that love beats everything. God, you are so good to us and we are so thankful to be called the children of God. And we are so thankful to be put on this earth at this time to accomplish your will and to call out your purposes and other people's hearts, Lord, that we can call them up. Like Carol said, you call us into the light and then you call us up. Lord, help us to be instruments that as we're called into the light, that we bring people with us, that we shine that light on them, Lord, that they can see your glory and be drawn to it and that we would call them up to the next level, God. That's what we really want, is to be used by you to call people into your kingdom to help not just be in it, but to help move it across the earth, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to do that. Amen. Please visit us at www.lored.org for more values-based leadership material. And if you've enjoyed this program, please sign up for the weekly downloads and share this podcast with your friends. Those are